Hello and welcome to the Interabang podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. Today we are closing out our Pride podcast series. So thank you so much for tuning in to every episode in the series so far. We've covered everything from trans issues to Pride London and even some resources right here at Fanshawe College. But we're closing out our series with a conversation about a facet of gay culture which has grown into mainstream popularity thanks to folks like RuPaul Charles. Yes, we are talking about the art of drag. And who better to chat about that with than an iconic local drag queen by the name of Phoenix Black. Now, Phoenix first discovered drag three years ago when she started watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And since then, she has been working hard to perfect her drag persona. Phoenix Black, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. Um, maybe before we get started, if you could just give uh, our listeners out there a little intro into who you are and what you do, just in case anyone doesn't know. Perfect. Hi, everyone. This is Phoenix Black, the dancing diva of London, Ontario. She's known for her splits, drops, and kicks. And hopefully you guys follow me on Instagram and Facebook and stay tuned for future events. They should follow you because your looks are amazing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How long have you been doing drag in London now? Oh my God. Uh, I've been doing drag almost three years so far. Um, It's quite a journey. Um, I'm still learning, but I'm slaying still. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. What inspired you to pursue drag here? What inspired me to do drag here? Um, I used to dance as a uh, more of a hobby. I did hip hop, jazz and contemporary as well. So I did that in a dance studio in London, Ontario um, called ONE Dance Center. And I used to be a choreographer there. And I really want, I felt there was something else in me. Um, My partner, he introduced me to RuPaul's Drag Race um, a while ago. And I was like, oh, what is that? I never heard of it. So I'm pretty sure you know what RuPaul's Drag Race is. Of course. Um, (laughs) Yes. And yeah, um, when I watched the first time, it was, I think, season five. I saw the charismatic and the nerve that they were doing. And I was like, wow, they're so confident. And I wanted to portray that in a way of what Phoenix Black is all about. So I wanted to combine dance and drag all together. And that's um, how I, how Phoenix Black came about. I love that. Was there anyone like from season five in particular who really inspired you when you were watching that season? Yes, the one queen from season five of RuPaul's Drag Race that really inspired me um, to do drag is Alyssa Edwards. Um, Not only that, you know, she is the dancing diva of that season. Um, First, like, I don't know, like her comedy, like she doesn't know that she's funny. But when we listen to her say stuff, like you you can tell like, oh, the stuff that she says is funny, even though she doesn't think it was is funny. yeah, it's just she doesn't really care what the world says about her and like her confidence is so incredible to see. So, yeah, she's one of the very first queens that inspired my drag. Oh, that's amazing. And it must have been nice too, like as someone who had that dance background to see someone who like used their dance ability and combined it so well with drag. That's how I always think about Alyssa Edwards personally. Oh, yes, absolutely. I I love her. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about Phoenix Black and 
who that drag persona really is. How do you describe Phoenix Black? Phoenix Black, not only she is the dancing diva, um, she serves splits, drops, and kicks. Like I said before, um, she is quick. She is witty. Um, she is pretty dark. She's like the rising phoenix from the ashes, ready to slay the world. Um, and yeah, the last name Black, it's probably one of my favorite colors. Um, it presents um, sharpness, darkness, mysterious, like myself. Um, yeah, that's who Phoenix Black is. <laughs> Sorry, my microphone was muted. <laughs> <laughs> the story of uh, 2020 and 2021 is my mic was muted. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> so in doing drag in London, how would you describe the drag scene in this city? The drag scene in London, Ontario is very diverse, I must say. Uh, when I first started, there wasn't many drag queens. Um, and then after the years of me doing drag, I've seen newer and newer queens and kings into the scene. Um, there's camp queens, comedy queens, uh, dancing queens, look queens. Like it's right now in 2021, there's so like, I can't even tell you the number of performers and artists that we have right now. Um, but yeah, there's so many queens and kings more diverse as well so when you go to a show here um you're gonna see not just either dancing queens or just look queens there is so much um more to that and it's great to see that growth that we see in the drag community so yeah yeah there are so many great local queens that i feel like it, it, i feel like it almost comes part and parcel with the rupaul effect where um sometimes fans maybe forget or overlook their local queens. Have you ever yeah. found that to be a thing? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Like, not just London, Ontario, but like, of course, like everywhere else. Like, like you said, like I feel like the audience and the viewers they don't really they compare local queens to RuPaul's Drag Race queens or queens on television in general, um, because the way they see queens and kings on TV, um, they expect polish this um talent and nerve and we us local queens that we are still experimenting our drag persona we're still experimenting and learning new things as a drag artist so um that comparison from the viewers the audience like i do see that every on a daily basis yeah well the other and the other thing i was thinking too was like like money as a factor too, right? That like, especially in recent seasons of Drag Race, um, there seems to be like queens on, queens on that show putting a lot of money into their drag because yes. they're going to be on television. Um, Absolutely. Is that like, do you, do you feel that there's like a heightened almost expectation from audiences? I believe so. Um, like I said before, like the polishedness of it all from the queens from television they of course they they probably work a full-time job or part-time job they saved up or they um went to i don't know what you call it like you borrow money from somebody uh, from a company and they they use that money to you know buy looks invest in looks whereas local queens we also do have um you know, I have a full-time job too. So I saved that up to invest of costumes. And now I'm 
making my own costumes just to save a bit of money and my makeup as well. So it, you know, drag is, is really expensive, um, you know, to look good, to invest. And, but I think it's totally worth it at the end. Now, are there any local queens that you've really learned from or that have really inspired you as you've kind of been in that like process of uh, growing your character and growing your show? Um, no, no one here because they all suck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. Um, a lot of people inspire me. Um, I can't really say which one I can't think of anyone because when I started drag like I like I said before like I watched RuPaul's Drag Race and that really like got me into just learning by myself looking through YouTube Mm. um, Instagram especially Um, so I didn't really learn from anyone Mm. uh, per se but um, a lot of artists here they um, inspire each other so absolutely what was that process like of like learning all of that just on your own you said like youtube was kind of your your main source yes um so miss fame from season seven she was one of the first people that i look up to in terms of makeup and youtube videos so i i used to work at target in canada before it closed down obviously um r.i.p target let's just a moment of silence for target yes period (laughs) Um, yes. So I used to buy my makeup there when I first started. I'm like, I don't know what I'm buying. I'm just going to buy all this, um, convenience store makeup. (laughs) Um, so yeah, um, YouTube was my main source of tutorials and makeup wise. Um, it was quite challenging because I had, I I learned the videos, but I kind of like skimmed through it because like, I'm not a patient person. I want to get the end result of my drag. So I did it really fast, really quick. Um, it was quite a challenge, but throughout the years, I um, looked through more research, more videos, and um, yeah, I think I've I've grown so much from that. <laughs> totally. I think it's so amazing that it, drag is almost more accessible to more people because of the internet. Do you get that sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, I feel like without the internet and without YouTube, like, I feel like we can still learn from people in like real life but I think it we can't have access to that especially right now because of COVID um yeah I think YouTube is a great source and the internet is like an amazing um, source to live off by in terms of um wanting to learn about the drag community makeup wise and looks and all that so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I mean even just as like a young woman I think I learned everything I know about makeup from the internet. Yes. <laughs> right? like, um, now you mentioned something that I want to circle back on and that is COVID. I would be remiss if I didn't ask how this pandemic has affected this past year of work for you. Um, what it's been like trying to perform under these circumstances. Oh my goodness. COVID took I totally completely turned in terms of, like you said, like work as a drag queen and all that. Um, yeah, it's a huge um, difference for many people like myself. Um, I work as a full-time manager. So I think 
it didn't make a difference until it kind of hit me kind of because I'm more, my drag is more of like high energy um, dancing and all that. Um, so when I, you know, we quarantine and we stay home and we do drag at home and all that, it, it, it's, it feels different. Like you don't have the space uh, where you can perform because I live in an apartment. So it's really, really small. So you can't really like turn around and all that. So it's quite a challenge. Um, but it has been um, really good at the same time in terms of taking your, uh, taking your time, um, reflecting on your life and your just life in general. Um, I learned, like, like I said before, like I learned more of my makeup skills. I sewn more stuff for myself. I connected more with the people on the internet because they can't really go out anywhere too. And they cannot watch us uh, perform as an audience in, in person. So they have to use like Zoom, let's say, and Facebook and Instagram and all that. So those are the main sources that we can really depend on in terms of um, watching performers um, on the virtual stage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been quite a challenge, but I think it, it was good at the same time. Yeah. I mean, nothing can replace like a live audience, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, our podcast and the Interabang in general is made for and by students. So what advice would you offer to any Fanshawe students or just any young people listening that are also stuck in their homes right now and maybe are interested in pursuing drag? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, some advice that I would give for people of the queer community in wanting to do drag, um, just watch YouTube like, like I do, um, motivate yourself, have confidence, research what you want in life, um, motivate yourself because um, motivation and confidence is really key in life. Um, pursuing drag as a career or even as a hobby as well um, is a good investment to your fun in life um, because you know life gets too serious sometimes and you know what you want a little fun and color in your life so um yeah just even seek for help and advice from other people don't be afraid uh, because drag is you know we have nerve we have talent and uh, we have no fear um uh yeah I think that's some advice that I can give them. <laughs> I love that. I feel, and that's like applicable to anyone. I feel like, honestly, I often hear like RuPaul will say, um, like drag is all just about not taking life and yourself too seriously. Of course. Which yes. like, just, it feels like anyone could, could adopt that mindset, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And like, I'm as a guy, like I'm such a serious person. Like I, I don't know if I have I'm having fun or not, but like um, in drag, like it it completely like turns you to a different person. And Phoenix Black, like she's she's quite similar to Johnny, but she's more of a warrior and she's like an armor of um, for Johnny. So she's like she's like the superhero for Johnny. So <laughs> I love that. 
Well, thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So let's lastly here then, what is next for Phoenix Black? The pandemic is maybe coming to an end. Uh, what do the next few months look like? Do you have plans to start performing again? Oh, yes. I have a few events coming up. Um, if I can remember from the top of my head. Um, let's see. This month, um, not, not anything this month. Uh, next month, July. Um, oh, my gosh. I I was thinking of these events today, and now it's like completely blank. Um, there's a few shows outside of London, so I'm going to, oh, I don't know what, I think Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I'm performing at a private farm with uh, this entertainment called Troy Boy Entertainment. Um, we're just doing a private show in Hamilton, and yeah, it's a private farm. i never been to a farm before. <laughs> um <laughs> So we are quite interesting. And then, yes. Um, And then in August, I am going to Paris, Ontario with Adam and Steve, uh, which is another entertainment company. Um, I'm opening for BOA from Canada's Drag Race Season 1. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yes, I'm excited for that. Um, There may be an event for Scarlet Bobo here in, not Scarlet Bobo, um, Tainomi Banks Mm. in July. Um, So People who are listening, please stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And of course, Pride is coming up here in London too. So are there any plans that for you uh, with Pride this year at all? Um, There's been a few events that I've done, I think last month for Pride. Um, For July, there is an event with um, TD Bank. Um, They're doing Pride this year as well. So it's virtually obviously. So, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lots of stuff, basically people should, that's where people need to follow you so they can keep up. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Phoenix, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming here and being on the show. We've been so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you for having me. And with that, our Pride podcast series has officially come to a close. I'd like to give a special thank you to Stephen D'Amelio, Nicholas Veal, Amanda Pearson, and of course, Phoenix Black, and to you for listening and finding ways to engage with Pride content through the entire month of June. Keep an eye on our website for more Pride content through next week, and make sure to catch future episodes of our podcast on Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify, and of course, on our website. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore.